Hey family, it's your sister Jocelyn here and welcome to another episode of Faith on the Journey. If this is your first time tuning in, we welcome you. We are so glad that you are here and want you to know that we're committed to helping you strengthen your faith, heal your heart, and discover a sense of community. And we do so through a variety of ways by connecting you with a team of Christian counselors who specialize in trauma-informed care and grief counseling. We also offer trauma healing groups throughout the year, and we help churches to start trauma healing ministries. You can learn about these resources and so much more by visiting our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. Now, today we have on the show an awesome man of God who has such an amazing background. We're welcoming John Jarman, who is a professional fitness coach and men's discipleship leader with a passion for seeing lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ. As a former football coach and Marine Corps veteran from Desert Storm, John's life was radically transformed from a life of self-destruction to a life of wholeness and life by the power of God. And so he shares his story in his new book called Broken and Redeemed. And we're so excited to have John on the show with us today. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I, it's an honor. So Yes, John, you have such a story to tell. So I had to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so let's let's take it back. Let's take it way back, as mm-hmm. we all say, and, and just hear a little bit about your, your upbringing, because that's where this kind of all began for you. Yes, ma'am. I, I grew up in this town in Renton, Washington, and my dad was a f- alcoholic and, and abusive. And so I grew up in a lot of violence. I don't have a lot of memory um, up until age 12 um, when my dad left. And the reason why he left is he came home one night and, and was beating my mom. And, and I got up out of bed and went down. I was 12 years old and walked into the kitchen, grabbed a knife and told him if he didn't stop, I would kill him. And he left and they left my, my three brothers and I and my mom by ourselves. Um, and I didn't have much contact with my dad until later in, in life when I entered the Marine Corps. But that's where a lot of this stemmed from was was that upbringing. And, you know, I didn't realize it back then and going through high school. You know, I had a lot of anger issues and, you know, I got involved in the drug world and, and partying because it was, you know, late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, we didn't really go into counseling or anything like that. Didn't grow up in the church. So there was not much guidance and, you know, growing up fatherless, it's, it's super tough. And I think that's a, that's a huge problem we have in today is there's so many fatherless children and, you know, the teachers and coaches can, can step into that role, but it's, it's tough. And that's one of the reasons why I got into coaching is because I wanted to help kids not go down the same path I did. And I did a decent job of that. I, I, really didn't know Christ as I was doing that. Um, my first introduction to Christ was in boot camp. Um, and our drill instructor said, hey, you can go to church Sunday for an hour. And I went, I get an hour away from you guys once a week, I'm gone. Um, and so that's kind of where I was entered into, you know, started to hear about the faith, but it really didn't grow until probably, let's say I moved back home in 20. 2005, uh, 2005, and it probably really didn't start to hit me until about 2007, 2008. And so that's when I started to look at my life and go, you know what, I need some help and uh, sought out some counseling. By the grace of God, I I found Christina Holland, who was my counselor for 10 years off and on. And then as I was working with her, I found Scotty Kessler, who was my uh, spiritual mentor. And those two helped me walk through this and, and get to the other side to where I could have the knowledge and wisdom and and faith to write this book. Wow. 
I, I love that. And I know just in the short period of time, there's so much that took place in between. Yes, ma'am. You're getting to 2018, <laughs> but it for for you, especially your background, like you are what someone would call, quote unquote, a man's man, like that, <laughs> you know, coach, like athletics, like yep. vulnerability is not probably your thing. And so counseling was a big deal for you. Uh, so let's talk about that decision. Was there some resistance? Were you hesitant to do that? What What was your process? You know, I first went into counseling when I was when I was coaching back in North Carolina. And, and is when my wife and I got separated, I did some counseling then. Um, I even did some when I first moved home, but it didn't, you know, I really didn't like the counselors I had. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Patch Adams, but one of the counselors, you know, he's he's in his therapy session in the movie and the counselor's really not listening to him. So he, he says, you know, I'm hopping around a, on a pogo stick and blah, blah, blah. And the guy didn't even pay attention. He got up and walked out. And that's kind of how I felt with this one counselor. And so I didn't stay there, you know, later down the road when I moved, when I moved back home and my, I'd lost my mom in 08. That's when I really started to look at my life. Cause I saw a pattern of behavior start to happen again. And it was a self-destruction. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go through this again. And so I, I picked up the phone and I Googled counselors and the third person I called was Christina. Um, and, you know, like you said, vulnerability was one of the things she worked with me on. And it took 10 years, you know, because growing up the way I did, you know, meek, weak, vulnerable, none of that was in my vocabulary. You know, and it even says biblically that, you know, we're to be meek and the meek will inherit the earth and we're supposed to be weak. Well, you know, I saw that as physical weakness and mental weakness, not that actually by giving up control and surrendering to Christ, that meekness and weakness actually becomes our strength. And that's that was a huge turning point for me in my walk. Man, you hit it. You hit it. And that is a paradigm shift, right? Because weakness is strength in, in when it comes to Christ, but we have not been taught that in the world. Nope. And so nope. I, I hope that the men who are listening right now are really receiving this because it's counterculture. There's a yes. lot of things that particularly for men and women too, but for men, like you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to be expressive of these emotions, you know, instead of saying I'm sad, it might come out as anger. Right. And so right. These are things that take work to unlearn. And so what are some practical tactics or things that you learn through counseling that you think could be very helpful to the men who are listening, even women as well? First of all, I, I would say that if you feel like you have some issues with, with anger or, or lack of trust or you know depression or anything like that, is don't be afraid to ask for help. That's one of the biggest things I think is as men, our pride gets in our way from us saying, hey, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And that was a sticking point for me for a long, long time. And uh, then once you do that, you have to be unconditionally honest with who you're working with, because if you're not honest, they can't help you. Um, and that unconditional honesty was was the biggest part. And, you know, I told Christina, I said, you got to be able to call BS on me because, you know, I might try to get one over on you. And, and if I do, I need you to call me out on it. And, you know, so we had a really good understanding of, of going into our work. Um, and I think that's what helped. And, you know, I have to say again, by the grace of God, I found her um, because if it wasn't for her and Scotty, who knows where I'd be now. So I love that. I was shouting. <laughs> My mic was muted, but I was <laughs> I was shouting about that because I think it's so important 
important to recognize that if you're not honest with your counselor, you can manipulate your counseling sessions. And I'm not recommending that you do that, but seriously, right. what, who are you fooling if you're manipulating your counselor, if you can't be honest with your counselor, right? Correct. So the thing I'll say about counseling is, is you're in a room with one person and it's just you and them. Once you have that trust factor, you, you know, you got to feel comfortable enough to share anything. And it's stuff that you might not even share with your spouse if you're married in order for you to get through what you need to get through. And, and coming from where I did in my background, there was a lot of shame and guilt. And a lot of it was stemmed around me pulling that knife, you know, because I mean, I looked at it as that that's why my dad left, you know, not that my mom, I saved my mom, you know, my counselor thinks that I was next because I don't remember a lot of things. It was a life saving technique, but at 12 years old, you know, I put this armor on and it stayed on and that armor didn't let anybody in. And it wasn't until my last session with Christine, I walked out of the session and I sat down in my car and I felt like the world was lifted off my shoulder. And I got out of my car and I went back in and I said, I'm not coming back. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, I'm free. I said, I felt so free of the whole past and everything. And it was just, I mean, it, I get chills even when I talk about it because it just, it changed my life at that moment. And she goes, please keep in touch though. <laughs> you know, it was that freeing that it just felt like that. Amen. And I, I love that experience that you had where you, you felt like a weight was being lifted, yes. but you were carrying that weight since you were, it sounds like 12 years old. 12 and you years probably old, yeah. didn't know it. You get used to that weight. Yeah, you get used to it. And I didn't know it up until probably, like I said, 2008, 2009, and when I started working with her. And a few things happened. You know, I prayed for a Christian woman to become in my life because my faith was getting stronger. And God brought a, a very strong Christian woman into my life. We were together for four years with a biblical relationship. You know, our first date, she goes, you're not sleeping with me unless we get married. And, you know, so that was our relationship. We wanted to live out a Christian relationship for her kids to see because her her husband cheated on her and ended up marrying the woman and so she went through some stuff but her kids really never accepted me for who I was and so we ended up ending that relationship after four years and it was at that point when I lost that relationship and I was my business was struggling and my my brother's uh, wife was in the hospital about to die I'd already lost my mom my dad and two brothers so my world was just like in this whirlwind and I dropped to my knees and I said God I can't do it anymore I'm giving it all to you I opened up the Bible and started reading. And the first thing I saw was 1 John uh, 1, 5 through 10. It said, Jesus is the light and there is no darkness in him. If you continue to walk in darkness, you can't be in the light. And that changed my life because I my walk at that time was I was walking, but I still carried some of that darkness in my past with me. And I'm not saying I'm sinless because we all sin, but I sin less. That's the term I use because I can see it now and I can understand it. And then I, I opened up to John chapter nine. And it said, it was when Jesus cured the blind man and the disciples said, why was he blind? Because of his parents or his sins and his parents sins. And then Jesus said, no, it was because that way the glory of God could be seen through him. And when I read that, I was like, okay, I went through all the stuff I went through so that the glory of God could be seen through me. And those two verses that morning really changed my life. And that's when I really started to dive in with my spiritual mentor even harder. We did some prayer plans to work out some of the strongholds that I had. And it just, you know, 
to watch what God did from 2016 till now is just truly amazing. Now back up, you said strongholds. For someone who's unfamiliar yes. with that term, can you talk about that and what were some of the strongholds that you need needed to break through and what was that process? Well, the biggest was shame and guilt. And when I say stronghold, it's, you know, I hate to use the term demonic, but it, it's the side of the spiritual warfare that we deal with. And then the spiritual warfare is, re, is real. It's the things that keep you from having that relationship with God. Um, and the devil uses that in your mind. And, and so you have to go through this, you know, Scotty Kessler, my mentor, worked in the deliverance ministry. And so he would give me prayer plans and we would read through the prayer plans and we would have, you know, there was one morning when I was reading through them, I had to get up and go throw up because it was so bad, you know, and you know, it's, it, that's the side of the spiritual war. And I'm not saying everybody's going to go through it, but, but when you go through some traumatic incidents, like I did, then you're, you probably have some strongholds because that's where they get in and they hold on to you and, you know, they keep you down. And so you got to work through that and you got to have the right person to help you work through that. They have to be, you know, very strong in faith and they have to have been, you know, in that ministry. Mm, and so you talked about prayer. You talked about mm -hmm. scripture. Uh, what were some other things that helped you to break these strongholds? The honesty with Christina's work and, and, you know, listening to her and reading the books that she would give me and, you know, just doing the, you know, the homework for lack of better terms that she would give me. Um, and then the homework that Scotty gave me. You know, I found two people I could trust with my life, so to speak. And I just, I put my trust in them and I listened to them and, and they guided me through it. That's good. And if I were to sum up what you just shared, it's the faith element, but it's also the work. You talk about homework. <laughs> you were you putting in time. Yeah. And, and, and I tell people all, all the time, you know, we can sit in prayer. And, and we can have long prayer. I mean, Jesus modeled it for us. He prayed for hours, you know, and I'm not saying you have to pray for hours, but we need long prayer time and we can do that. But if you're praying that you, and I use this as an example, if you're praying to find a job, but then you never leave your couch, you're not going to find a job. Okay. So you have to do your earthly part to help with that prayer because, you know, there's certain things that God's going to wait to see if you move on before he answers your prayer. And I'll give you an example. I lost my business in 2020 with COVID. We were trying to get out of the lease because we had a lease and, and the landlord wasn't being too friendly. Um, we had to sell off the equipment. We we're trying to pay down our debt. And I just started praying and praying and praying. And I turned it all over to God. We sold all the equipment, two and a half months. Our landlord let us out of our lease. And as I'm doing all this, one of my first investors came up to me and he told me I didn't have to repay him. And it was a $10,000 debt. And I'm like, I wasn't even praying about that. And I went, okay, so I'm focused on this. And God said, okay, because you did what you did, I'm going to reward you by this. And that's the way I look at that because that's a God thing. Yes. Wow. And it's how life is, is so crazy when you look back because you might've been, I don't want to make an assumption like me where I would have never imagined that I would write a book or start this ministry. And, and, and I'm, figuring it's probably similar for you in terms of like book. Was that even on your radar? And when well, did that happen? Christina, my counselor in 2014 said I needed to write a book. And I kind of laughed at her during that session because, you know, my story is not unique because there's kids that have been up, gone through what I've gone through. People that have been through far worse than I've been through, but it's my story. And so I started telling a few of my friends about what Christina said, and I shared some of it with it. And they said, yeah, John, you need to write a book. And I was like, okay, I failed English in high school. I have dyslexia. I'm a PE teacher and I'm a Marine. How am I going to write a book? You know? And so I looked for somebody to help me. And I had, I found a young lady who was going to the church I was going to. And, and so she helped me outline the book and get it started. And I got five chapters done. And then it sat on the shelf until 2020 when I was in my prayer time and my reading time in the morning, Hebrews 1036 
popped up and it said, when you're doing the will of God, you must persevere to get what he rewarded. And then about an hour later, I was reading in my favorite author's book, A.J. Swoboda's very first book, Messy. He was talking about doing the will of God. And he said, no one told him if anybody would read his book or buy his book, he just had to write it. And those happened within an hour. And I went, okay, I got to finish my book. So I was getting ready to go down to the Gulf of Mexico and Georgia to visit some old football players. And so I said, I'm going to write two hours a day and I'm going to keep it going until then. And I had five chapters done, started that in February, and I finished the book in four weeks. So I came home, uh, talked to Scotty Kessler about if he knew an editor. He hooked me up with Arlen, my editor, who were, helped him and his wife publish a book. That was in March. And then we started doing the editing process. And she goes, well, I'm a scout for Morgan James Publisher, and they'll probably sign you. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And in September of that year, they signed me. February of of 2022, I had a book in my hand. So actually, I started writing. I started writing in 2021. So it took a year from when I started writing to get the book in my hand. And you don't do that without God's intervention. You know, it's because I listened and I obeyed, and that's the result. And that's why I have the book. And you know, if you'd asked me two years ago or three years ago, hey, would you write a book and be preaching the gospel and talking about? I would have said no. <laughs> There's no way I would have thought my life would be right here right now, but by the grace of God, it is. And I'm, and I'm grateful and I'm humble. Yes. God has something else in mind. That's amazing. Yeah. If I can share this. So my grandmother, so here's the thing, looking back on my life, when I wrote the book, I had my grandmother, my dad's mom, because my dad was adopted. So it's not my biological mom, but she prayed for us every year, every, every day. I guarantee it because every time I met, I had, meetings with her, we'd visit. She would always say, Johnny, God's got something special planned for you. And she's smiling from heaven ear to ear because she knew about the book. And so, you know, parents, if you have children, pray over them every day because you don't know the impact it's going to have. It might not have impact when they're young, but that prayer is somehow, some way going to impact that life. So continue to pray over your children and to continue to do that because that's the only reason why I'm here is because my grandmother was praying over me every day. Oh, we love grandmas yep. and th those prayer warriors in our lives. Yep. We thank God for them. So yep. I, I appreciate you sharing that for the parents. Even if your parents that have children who seem wayward or out in the yes, world or, yes. you know, praying. lost, keep, keep praying. Keep praying. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes. So I want to shift gears to the title of your book, Broken and Redeemed. I love that title. Tell us how you came up with that name and talk about some of the key takeaways that you wrote in your book to help individuals who've experienced trauma or loss and or who need healing in their lives. Well, to be honest, in, in 2014, when I started writing it, the, the name just kind of came to me and, and you know, because I was broken. You know, I saw myself as a very broken person and and redeemed. I mean, what better? Because, you know, we have the redeeming power of the cross and, and we're not supposed to have any shame or condemnation or any guilt because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so that's where the name came from. Um, the subtitle actually got changed by the publisher. Um, it was God is waiting for you because the whole time I figured, you know, God was just waiting for me to come knock at the, you know, come back and open the door. And he knew I would do it eventually. And so I'm in my first call with the publisher and they start talking about the name. And they said that the subtitle should explain more about what the book is about. And here I am. I have this name since 2014. This is 2021. I'm going, be patient, John. These guys are the experts because, you know, I didn't want to, you know, say anything. And they're talking about, they're throwing out ideas for the subtitle and they found discovering freedom through complete surrender. And I went, you know, okay, I can live with that. 
but I didn't really like the word discovering. And so when we finished the call, I, I just thought about it all night long, all night long. And the next morning, finding came into and I went, finding freedom through complete surrender. That sounds better. And so I emailed the publisher and I said, hey, how about this? And they love the name and that's how the name came about. So broken and redeemed, finding freedom through complete surrender. And you can't have the freedom you need if you if you don't surrender everything. And because it'll keep a veil in front of you. And that's probably the toughest thing for men is because we as men do not want to give up our pride. We don't want to give up our control. Control was a huge issue for me. In my early walk, I would pray. People would be like, it's God's timing, John. And I'm like, I don't know. It's John's timing. He needs to, you know, and uh, when you try to do it that way, it doesn't work. And so, you know, that's the biggest thing is, is and that's how the name came about. So, and we did keep, we did keep God is waiting for you on the back because when you flip the book over, it says God is waiting for you. Are you willing to surrender or something like that? I can't remember exactly, but but yeah. I, I love the name and I really want to draw out the surrender piece because I struggle with most of us, if we're honest, struggle with wanting to control situations and surrendering to God. It's, it could be a scary process. And so for you, the surrender piece, if you can dive into that a little bit more about practical things that the listeners can learn to help them in that process of surrender. Well, it, that's the tough part. I think you have to come to to almost a rock bottom. And I, and I mentioned it earlier in 2016 with my girlfriend leaving and my Jim not making it too well and my, my sister-in-law in the hospital and, and about to die, that was kind of my breaking point. And, you know, I, I used to listen or I still listen to Tony Evans through a podcast and Tony, he shared, he said, I'm going to tell you the only ber- verse in the Bible that's not true. And I went, well, there's, I'm okay. I want to hear this. Well, it's in Corinthians, you know, God will only give you so much you can handle. And if you can, if you can't, he'll provide a path out is what the verse says. But what Tony was saying is God's going to give you more than you can handle because he wants you on your knees looking up and saying, I can't do this without you. And so that was a verse that really hit me when I when I fell to my knees. What Tony was saying is, you know, you got to come to the rock bottom. And I think, you know, if, if you don't hit that rock bottom, you're not going to completely surrender. And I'd say if you if you're struggling with your faith and there's something that you're feeling like you need, you know, Pray on it. See what you see where, you know, ask God to reveal that to you and see what you have to give up. And some of it might be friends. It might be you might have to change jobs because you might not be in the right job and and only God's going to show you the path. And but it, it is completely surrendering and letting him take over your control of your life. I tell people right now, I don't worry about anything because I've seen God's hand in my life. And so when I get into a situation now, I just pray over it and and I just sit back and I let let it go. And I let God do it. And it's, you know, I just accept whatever outcome because the outcome that God wants is, it has a reason. And I might not ever know the reason of that certain outcome, but it's going to be to make me better and put me on the path. And I, I'm here because of that. And I'm speaking to you today because of that reason that I surrendered and I'm willing to let God just take over and follow in his to follow him wherever. And I learned that from Scotty Kessler, my spiritual mentor, because as we were working together, he called me one day and he said, John, I'm moving to Nebraska. I'm like, what? I mean, this was totally out of the blue. He goes, the Holy Spirit told me I need to be in Nebraska. He picked up his whole family and that's where he still is. Okay. And didn't even question it. The Holy Spirit told him to go and he went. And I went, now that's a man of God. And so I was like, I have to be like that. Wow. And I'm wrestling with this next question because it speaks to to me in my walk. And I think it mm-hmm. speaks to others in terms of 
next leveling your faith, what you described is like going to the next level because Mm -hmm. we could be saved. We can know that we're going to heaven and still like be at this place where it's just kind of like this lukewarm walk. We're not experiencing the fullness of what it's like to be Mm -hmm. in relationship and fellowship with God. So to next level your faith, to be at a place where you're like, I surrender, I pray about it, I release it to you. Like, is there any words of advice that you can give someone to to transition to that next level? Well, the first thing I would say is find somebody who's further along in your walk than you, that can disciple you, and that you can you can share things with, and you can share prayer time with, and you can share biblical reading with. That would be the first thing. It's because Jesus said, go and make disciples of the world. We're not to do this by ourselves. So we need people above us. We need people below us because I'm supposed to be discipling other people. As a matter of fact, I'm discipling this young lady who was a couple years behind me in high school because she saw my book online, got the book. She was ready to commit suicide until she read the book and then reached out to me and I fought and I started discipling her. So she's now in faith and doing things and stuff like that. So that's, that's what we're called to do. So first thing is find somebody that you can trust. Secondly, is you've got you have to have daily prayer and reading time. Sometime in your day, you have to carve out. And I'm not saying you need two hours or an hour, but you have to carve out some time where you can have alone prayer time and you can have reading because you have to understand the word and then you have to communicate. It's I tell people it's it's like having a relationship with your wife or husband. If you don't ever talk to them, that's not going to be a good relationship. And if you keep things from them, it's not going to be a good relationship. And even though God knows our thoughts before we speak them, he still wants us to speak them because he wants that personal relationship. And that's the one thing I've learned. And so, you know, I, I'm up at 345 every morning and I pray and I get into the Bible and I read every day. Um, and that's that's the thing that's that's helped me deepen my faith. And I continue to do it. I continue to look at books and research and just to try to get an understanding of the word. Um, I enrolled in seminary school in 2007. I'm eight hours shy of a master's of theology. And the only reason why I did it is to get deeper into the word so that I understand it more. That's amazing. I sense the thirst that you have for for knowing God. And it really does require that thirst. But at the same time, you also have to recognize you might not always feel like reading either. (laughs) Correct. But, But Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, hungry, hunger and thirst, and you will have righteousness. Righteous mm-hmm. are the people who hunger and thirst after him. And then yes. you, will, you will have that. And he said that in the Sermon on the Mount. So he told us right there that we have to have that. When, and there's days that I don't feel like getting up that early, trust me. And I get up on the weekends at about 6.30. I stay in what I call the fourth watch. It's 3, 3 a.m. to 6, 6 a.m. And it's the most spiritual and most demonic time of the clock. And so I do all my work then because I used to get woken up during that time with, with just crazy dreams and all sorts of stuff. And now I get woken and now I get up to pray. Um, and so it's, it's, I try to stay within that window um, because I know the effect of it. So, and I'm not recommending that, you know, I'm not recommending that for everybody, but you got to find a time, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day where you can pray and read and get into it. And if you don't, if you're so busy and you say, I don't have the time, well, when you're driving to work, put the Bible audio on in your car so it's into your ear because guess what you're gonna you're gonna start to remember that yeah so you there's there's so many ways today to get the word in you and if you don't have the word in you you 
I mean, that's our sword. Yeah. We have to understand the word. That's good. That's good. I remember uh, working with the counselor and, and she talked about how sometimes it starts off as a spiritual discipline in terms of your time with God. And then eventually it, it grows into a desire and then it grows into a delight. And it's, then it's like a must have after that. Like you were just like, I have to have it. I miss it when I don't have it, but it takes time to get there. It takes time to get there. And, and, and once you have it, and then you miss a couple of days, you go, oh my God, where's that at? You know, because yeah. the feeling, you just have a different feeling when you do it, you know, and yeah. it's, 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 that's the awesome part of having that relationship. And that's, to me, that's the only way you can build a true relationship with God because, and then it, it goes back to what we started the conversation with vulnerability. Okay. If I can't be vulnerable with God, I can't be vulnerable with anybody. And, and for me to, to have that right relationship and have the veil removed so I can really truly see what God wants, I have to be vulnerable. And because for me to share a testimony with you and your listeners, it's vulnerability, you know, and, and for what I did in that book and it's, you know, that it makes it easier the more you do it, but it, it, it is tough. And that's why you have to have spiritual mentor or a counselor or both. Yeah. Well, I, I encourage anyone who's looking for support in this walk to check out your book, Broken and Redeemed. I'm so excited for you, John, and what you're doing. Thank you. And I thank you for being a guest on our show today. You blessed me just like I'm sure you blessed our audience today. Well, I appreciate it. And it's been a blessing being here. So thank you again, John. And I hope to have you back on the show as you continue to do great work for the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning into today's episode. Wow. So much shared. And I hope that you're inspired to go deeper in your walk with God. God is calling you to a deeper, authentic relationship with him. And if you are looking for resources, such as a Christian counselor that John was talking about earlier today, I encourage you to reach out to us. Visit our website at faithonthejourney.org. Again, that is faithonthejourney.org. There you can learn about several resources, including our trauma healing groups and how we help churches to start trauma healing ministries on our website. Also, I encourage you to leave a five-star review if you enjoyed today's episode and share this with a friend so we can get this message out to the world. So that's it for this week, you all. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, you keep your faith on the journey. I'll see you soon, family.